You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So today, we're going to kind of take a step back from the Green Bay Packers. Not entirely, but um, there is just so much news going on with the NFL Combine. I kind of want to just talk about a little bit of all of it. Uh, fact of the matter is, there's a lot of really cool stuff going on around the NFL. Some of it is not Packers related, and I want to talk about it for a minute. So we'll brush up on some Packers news because there's plenty of that as well. But uh, I, I at least once need to touch on some of the other stuff that's going on around the NFL because it's getting crazy out there, man, and this is this is fun stuff. And obviously it has implications for the Packers because we are in competition with 31 other teams. And as I have mentioned in the past, the, the Packers' ability to win a Super Bowl doesn't just happen in a vacuum, right? It's not just, well, if the Packers can meet this perfect criteria – they get handed a trophy. No, you got to compete with 31 other teams. So, you know, you, you you look at this year would have been a good year to, to be a lot better because everyone was trash. Or this year is a really tough year to compete because look how good so many teams are. So anyways, we're going to be uh, scoping out the competition today. As well as obviously talking about a lot of these players at the Cambine. Before we jump on in, well, first of all, Jim, got your message again. That's Jim from Florida. We're going to have a little sidebar here, folks. Give me a second. Got your message. Appreciate the sentiment. Feel free to call in any time. All right, I'm back. Uh, speaking of call in, 608-501-0718. Text or call if you got something that uh, is grand in your gears, including myself. Otherwise, if you have any questions, things that are going on with the Combine, I am legitimately dedicating a lot of hours into building a massive database of information. I could not be any more excited about it but it's really difficult because I figured out how to do it way too late. But it's going to be massively helpful going into the 2019 Green Bay Packers season because I'm going to be, uh, basically I'm building a, three different databases. One is for the Green Bay Packers, um, one is for this uh, the draft, and then one is for the prospects. The 2018, 2019 is what the year is, prospect. So lots of goodies going on there. But anyways, any questions, comments, or concerns, pass it along, and I'll uh, put the old database to the test. Once again, rating and review would be very greatly appreciated. That's more or less going to be my bread and butter, man. The success of the podcast is directly correlated to how many people listen, and how many people listen is dependent on how easy the show is to find, and how easy the show is to, is, is to find, not defined, to find is largely dependent on how many people are um, listening, one, but also the ratings and the reviews. I've got a five-star rating currently, very much appreciated. If you like the show, please leave a, uh, a rating and review on iTunes, Stitcher, whatever. Let these uh, folks know Packernet Podcast as is for reals, man. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view 
on all possible cards and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. All right, let's actually start with some of the uh, combine participants because some crazy stuff been going on. Talked about DK Metcalf. Um, I, I think the important thing to remember that I'm going to be referring back to is the fact that athleticism isn't the only characteristic, and certain people are going to have helped their draft stocks um, based on their combine performances, but that, that isn't the sole um, thing that people are looking at. Years and years of tape illustrating what they can and can't do aren't necessarily erased simply because somebody runs fast. So, for example, if you watch a wide receiver and this guy cannot separate for the life of him and he runs a, a 4-4-2, you're not going to look at that and go, oh, yes, he can separate, apparently. There you go. See, he can. Yeah, but but he didn't, though. If he can run a 4-4-2, why didn't he separate? Something's not right. And there's no reason to believe he, if he can't separate in college, he's not going to separate in the NFL, again, regardless of that 4-4-2. So I think for most people, the tape is going to be the most important thing. If there is a massive discrepancy, I think most guys are going to go back and look at the tape. And then the other aspect of it is, and I think this is very true with guys, for example, like Montez Sweat, which I'm going to talk about, the question becomes, okay, your testing was off the charts, but your tape is kind of trash. Not, you know, trash is a little harsh for Sweat in particular, but it doesn't match up. The question for me would be, are you coachable? Because there isn't a lack of athleticism here. Can you be taught to be better? So that's sort of that. Um, and the reason I bring that up, we'll, we'll talk about DK Metcalf first, I suppose, since we already talked about how freakish he was. I think the fans and myself especially started to think he may have solidified himself as a top five pick, particularly you look at the Jets, who you know may be looking to trade back, but maybe they stick. The Raiders at four could be potentially... Uh, you know, they definitely need a wide receiver. I think the undrafted free agent Marcel Aitman is their top wide receiver right now, which is just atrocious. That was their statement, by the way. It's it's no slight against their other wide receivers, whoever they may be. But to have a team say Marcel Aitman is our top guy is just, that's horrifying. So possibly number four. But you listen, for example, to Tony Pauline, which, by the way, a lot of the information, the insider information is going to come from Pauline. Not that other people don't have this stuff. Um, that's another part of the whole database process is finding out people that are team-specific to go listen to. But that guy's he's got a lot of contacts, and he just tells it all. He does a podcast that basically is just, okay, here's some inside information you haven't heard. Here's seven, and he does it in bullet-point fashion, which is why I love him. I, I, there's so many podcasts. Ian Rappaport is one of the better insiders in the NFL I have such a hard time listening to his podcast. It drives me insane. For people that love just sitting in a room listening to friends talk, Ian Rappaport's podcast is for you. Same with, what is it, like Inside the Sticks or Stick to Football or whatever. It's just friends bantering. It's like, dude, I'm not your friend. I don't care and I don't want to listen to your inside jokes. It's so, I mean, it's, it's a lot of like higher up, like self-important people. 
that do that, and it's just so obnoxious. But but Tony Pauline, it's literally just he's got a guy that asks him questions, and he tells him what questions to ask because obviously he has like five bits of information. So he's like, all right, ask me these questions, and I'll act like you just asked me on the spot, and I have information about everything, except this was pre-planned. But it's just bullet points. So, well, what, uh, you know, the, the Lions seem to need a pass rusher. Have you heard anything about it? Oh, yes, I've heard they want Trey Flowers. Oh, okay. Boom, next bullet point. I mean, it's just, it's, it's my dream, which is ironic considering how much I ramble. But as far as me wanting information, just literally bullet points, please. Speaking of, Detroit Lions, very, very interested in Trey Flowers, as are the Miami Dolphins. So let's all hope that the Miami Dolphins get Trey Flowers. I can tell it's going to be one of those days, man. I said we're going to talk about prospects, and I'm already switching over to teams. Um, as far as cap space, the Detroit Lions currently have more space, but Miami is literally just gutting their team right now. Uh, Robert Quinn is going to be going out the door. That's going to be almost $13 million additional dollars. Um, we've heard rumors about Devontae Parker going out the door. That's another $9 million. That's $22 million in two players that are rumored to be gone. They've already released Andre Branch. That's $9 million. So we're up to $31 million if they officially do all these these moves. That's pretty much how much cap space the Detroit Lions are working with. They have like 33-ish, 34-ish, I don't know. So the Dolphins had 9.5. Um, Andre Branch is 9. And then if they do move on from Devontae Parker and um, Robert Quinn, which they're probably waiting on trade partners for that. But again, that's going to save up an additional uh, 22-ish million. We've all heard Josh Sitton could be going out the door. That's another $5 million bucks. So as of right now, in terms of Packer fans wanting Trey Flowers to go elsewhere, and I know a lot of Packer fans probably want him to come here, please keep in mind, although, yes, I understand 3443 is overblown, anybody coming to Green Bay needs to be able to stand up. Now, he has stood up in the past, but if you look at the breakdown of um, where he usually lines up, Left end, hand in the dirt, 315 snaps. Right end, hand in the dirt, 161 snaps. Out of 878 snaps last year, only 61 of them came standing up. 61. So that's going to get flipped on its head. Yeah, he's going to have his hand in the dirt for the Packers if he comes here, but the Packers are going to have to watch film on 61 snaps to determine if this guy can be a stand-up outside linebacker. Now, if they legitimately think he can, great, but just so we're clear, his freakish ability as a pass rusher comes in a 4-3, primarily 4-3 defense. I mean, it's a flexible defense. They do a lot of stuff, 3-4-4-3. It's a hybrid defense, like pretty much all of them are, but he is a primarily 4-3. That's why the Miami Dolphins, who, by the way, Brian Flores is their coach, so it's going to be a New England Patriots-style defense. And the Detroit Lions, 4-3 defense with the former. So basically you got the two former um, defensive coordinators for the Patriots really wanting to get this guy because he fits the Patriots' style of defense. There's no question he comes in and instantly is, is the same guy. If he comes to Green Bay, is he the same guy? Don't know. Probably not. I'm guessing the Patriots used him correctly, and any deviation from that is going to hurt his ability to perform. So I'm not saying I don't want him. But you got to keep that stuff in the back of your head. You, so many times I hear people say, who's the best pass rusher in the class? Well, the best pass rusher in the free agent class is Trey Flowers. Okay, Packers, go get Trey Flowers. It's not that simple, man. Justin Houston, who I talked about, is a 3-4 outside linebacker. Does he play some hand in the dirt? Of course he did, because all defenses now are hybrid. But again, it's flipped on its head. Out of 830 snaps, about 650, 660 of them were standing up on the outside. 
the rest were, you know, sometimes, I mean, even he had two snaps lined up at nose tackle. I mean, th- this is defenses in today's NFL. These guys line up everywhere. Dom Capers was one of the one of the guys that kind of led the charge on this with his NASCAR defense. You know, he's got line uh, linebackers lining up hand in the dirt across the defensive line, just four linebackers. You see all kinds of this crazy stuff now. So, yeah, again, everybody's doing everything. This is the one thing I keep talking about when I do my my NFL Draft YouTube channel is I try to fit three, four guys in three, four defenses and four, three guys in four, three defenses, and everybody wants to scream at me, well, that that's that's nebulous now. Nothing really matters anymore. Everybody runs everything. Yeah, but there's still a base, and there's still going to be a primary skill set that you're looking for. If you run a three, four base defense, you might be in your nickel package more than your base, but if you can't stand up as an outside linebacker, you're not going to make it in the Packers defense because what are you going to do when you go into your base defense? Unless you're unless you're Rashawn Gary, may, you know. I mean, I don't I don't know if he can even stand up. But if you're the kind of guy that has the ability to stand up and then go hand in the dirt as a defensive end, maybe that kind of a hybrid. Maybe somebody like you know, I I don't know. I don't even know who that would be. But anyways, I'm 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 just saying, keep that in the back of your mind. Anyways, back on track now. Let's talk about some of these prospects. First and foremost, this Kyler Murray stuff won't stop, man. I keep saying it's smoke. I keep saying it's not real, but apparently Cliff Kingsbury, as well as uh, Kime, the GM, are just walking around blabbing about the fact that it's they're they're going to do it. Now, granted, if you're wanting to find a trade partner for Rosen, you kind of got to open your mouth a little bit. But apparently, Cliff Kingsbury, who has not mastered the art of keep your mouth shut, is telling teams that it it it's a done deal. They will be trying to trade Rosen now. It, it can't be a foregone conclusion yet because Kyler Murray hasn't done a single thing. He hasn't thrown a football since he left college. So he's got to do something at his pro day or, or, or something before I think we can definitively say it's going to happen. But for whatever reason, and again, we can call it smoke if we want, but it just keeps getting louder. And, and from what sources, again, Tony Pauline's talking to, guys are like, yeah, man, he talked to us. He says he's doing it. I don't know. And it... it you know, I don't know. The other question is, maybe if they are just trying to drum up interest. See, and that, that's a weird way to drum up interest. You look at when the Chicago Bears moved up to number one. The reason they did that is because the Bears were told other teams wanted to move up, and apparently they were being lied to because nobody was interested. But, it, I mean, if you're supposedly going to take him, then why would teams call up and say, hey, we want to trade up so we can take him from you? Right? That That's not how that works. You would say that other teams are interested in Kyle, Kyler Murray to try to get teams to move up to, to fire up interest that way. Saying we know who we're going to take number one, that doesn't drum up interest for anything. That's just telling people what you're going to do with the first pick. If you want compensation and someone to come up and get him, then you just need to say that other people want to move up. You, it, it doesn't do any good to say what we're going to do, and that's not a trade, by the way. Ooh, I got an idea. Here's how we can get people interested in moving up and getting this guy. Now, the, the smarter move... If I were the Cardinals, if if I let's just say I wanted Quinn and Williams, I would be saying that Nick Bosa is, you know, I mean, you can just come out and say I, I we're we're not super interested in Nick Bosa, but the interest for Nick Bosa around the league is just on fire. Why? Because the 49ers want him bad. That's how you get the 49ers to do what the Chicago Bears did. And it, it might not be a lie. Some teams might want to move up and get Bosa. Again, Detroit Lions would love to move up and get Bosa. Miami Dolphins would love to move up and get Bosa. Teams like that who are already top 10-ish. Detroit is. Miami's close. 
you know, I think the Raiders would love to get him. You just, you get, you get that whipped up. Then you get the 49ers to just completely sell the farm to move up one spot, and you get the guy you wanted anyways, Quinnen, but then you end up getting, you know, what did the Bears give away? First round and just a ridiculous amount of stuff. Just for free. Just, I mean, we can take Quinnen, or we can get a boatload of picks and still get Quinnen. And you don't have to risk anything because you know the 49ers are moving up. So, again, the, the reason I'm saying this is to say we can call it smoke, but what is the strategy here? What, 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 what are you going to get? This isn't the way that it works if you want teams to trade up and get Kyler Murray. If you're just going to say, no, 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 we're getting Kyler Murray. The only reason you do this is if you're legitimately trying to drum up interest for Rosen. You let everybody know Rosen is available. And by the way, two teams that are strongly linked to Rosen are the Washington Redskins and apparently the New York Giants really like Rosen. And I think the Giants make a lot of sense. I think Rosen is a good quarterback. He was terrible in Arizona, but the coaching was horrible. The team was horrible. Everything was horrible. The offensive line was horrible. So, I mean, you get a bunch of pressure. Dude didn't know how to handle it. They didn't even know how to... I mean, their running back, who was the number one running back in the NFL just, what, two years ago, was kind of terrible last year. That should tell you something. If Rosen goes over to the Giants and is able to sit a year behind Eli and develop and then gets to start for a team that has Odell Beckham, maybe, the dra- the trade talks keep firing up, by the way, Saquon Barkley, um, you know, a- a- again, depending on who's still there, I don't know, but Nate Solder at left tackle, you got Hernandez, who's going to be in, what, his third year at this point? I'm sure they're going to get additional offensive linemen. He's coming into a great situation after being after sitting a year behind Eli Manning, who, say what you want about the guy, cerebrally, he, he's absorbed a lot of stuff over the years. So as far as good fit for Rosen, I would say the Giants, I don't know that the Washington Redskins necessarily care about Rosen's best interest. Um, I think that would be a very good option for a team that has nobody, despite the fact that they're saying, oh, no, we're fine with Colt McCoy. <laughs> no, you're not, you bunch of liars. Um, moving right along as far as running backs, and there's a lot more news, but again, I'm just sort of starting to sift through this, and we don't have enough time to get through every single prospect as well as every single team, but but something that definitely stuck out was Elijah Holyfield. I don't think he's getting drafted. A lot of people liked him. You know, he's a Vanders kid. Um, every time he hit somebody coming down to get him, they just kind of made a really huge deal out of it because it's like, well, there you go, Holyfield just knocking a dude out, right? Woo-hoo-hoo! Well, apparently he scored in the fourth percentile as far as his spark score so um yeah that's he's that's not good he was already kind of a a mid-tier guy and I and on top of that again I've talked about the bottleneck at running back once you get to the fourth and fifth round there's just a pile a massive pile there's there's only one or two you want to take like in the first or second round then you get into the third or fourth and you kind of get more and, and as the draft goes on you just add more and more and more and more and more that become a good value. So Holyfield is mixed in there. I mean, he might have already been like a sixth-round guy anyways. You look at his sparks, he's not getting drafted. He might not end up in the NFL because who knows how many of these piles of, of running backs end up going into undrafted free agency simply because there's just too many. There's too many that are right in that just kind of, you know, none of them are very athletic. They're all, you know, the, the 5'11", 223-pound um, just, you know, average dudes so if you got 10 of them that are undrafted free agents Holyfield's going to be at the back end of that it's not good for him already talked about DK Metcalf um again the 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 issue being uh, he he is a top three athlete 
in this draft. He, he's, he's maybe the best athlete in this draft. I know his three-cone and stuff was horrific. But again, there's a difference between being an elite athlete and being an elite wide receiver. The upside has just gone through the roof with DK Metcalf. Um, you know, again, kind of keep an eye on his athletic ability as far as his agility. But how good of a wide receiver is he? Remember, Marquez Valdez-Scantling and Equinemius St. Brown were incredible, are incredible athletes. That doesn't make you an elite wide receiver. So from what I understand, there's still a lot of questions about his timing and his awareness. So basically, he is a top 10 athlete, not a top 10 wide receiver. If you're drafting him based on his value as a wide receiver, he's still not a top 10 pick. Now, that doesn't mean he's not going to get drafted top 10. He probably will at this point, just because, again, his upside, if you can develop him, because that's what we're talking about. You look at his upside, we're talking about legitimately the next Megatron. I mean, as far as ceiling, it's, it, the odds of him actually being that, or even being Julio Jones, at that, for that matter, is very low. But teams are going to see that ceiling, and they're going to just pull the trigger. So I, w- I would still be willing to bet he's gone prior to the top 10. But, but he could be there at 12. It's, it's entirely possible. I, I don't expect the Packers to take him at 12. Everything I'm hearing about the Packers is about edge rusher, as I've said. And I've been saying this since prior to this whole thing took place. I was talking about it last year during this free agency process when we made a, a move on um, Khalil Mack and how irresponsible it felt to me that they were willing to give up two first-round picks. And we're talking about 25 ish million dollar contract. And I'm thinking, why would you do that? That doesn't feel like a prudent move because Gutekunst wants it bad. That's why I said they want to trade up bad. And all the stuff that I'm hearing about, what do they want to do in free agency? Pass rushers. What do they want to do in the draft? Pass rushers. Who is it that really likes Ja'Kai Polite? The Packers. Which, by the way, that rumor was prior to his complete meltdown. Which, let me just take an aside here. We haven't gotten to edge rusher yet. I don't even think we're going to get to teams because we got through two positions. Not even. We got through one and one player. The Ja'Kai Polite thing is pretty serious for the same reason the Antonio Brown thing is serious. And I've heard a lot of people say he could be available at 44, and at that point I want the Packers to take him. It's The problem is, though, and it's the same thing I've said about guys with character concerns as far as even hitting people, hitting women. You look at um, Joe Mixon, who I don't think belongs in the NFL for what he did. I don't understand the point of dropping a guy on your board. He's either on it or he's off it. Now, Ja'Kai Polite's talent alone you know he, he put on weight he looks sluggish by all accounts he faked an injury some teams have or scouts have gone out of the way to call it legitimately bs and he so so for those that don't know here's what happened maybe you haven't heard this yet essentially jakai polite is he shows up and he's a little bit overweight because he's an undersized guy so he put on a couple extra pounds to show that no i can play at a higher weight so he goes and does these interviews and then then he goes to the podium and he, he gets he talks to the media and people ask how it goes and um how it went, and he said he liked, I forget the team, 49ers or something, I, I don't remember, but he said that's the only team that didn't bash me. And he goes on complaining about all these teams that basically picked on him. He's like, yeah, they, they just kept talking about all the bad plays. All they wanted to talk about was the bad plays. And he, he put a little caveat in there saying, well, you know, I mean, that's their job and all. But still, listen, the correct answer is, yes, they were hard on me, and I appreciate that because that's going to make me a better person. I appreciate those questions, and it gives me the opportunity to demonstrate to them why this happened and, and how I've grown through that, and, and I really appreciate it because it's, the, it's this kind of feedback. You know what I mean? This is, should be a positive thing, and all I did was complain about it. And just because he threw a caveat in there saying, well, I mean, that's their job. And then he was, he was specifically asked, what about the Packers? And he said, yep, that was one of the teams that bashed me. And, and why are you phrasing it bashed me? He's, he's, he's 
being a crybaby. Now, you can't have that on your team because it's going to be nothing but guys yelling at you and telling, telling you how you're terrible. If this is how you're going to react, and by the way, how you handle it in the media, you think the Green Bay Packers want a guy that when they scold him, he's going to go and talk to the press, he's going to go talk to Packers beat reporters, and he's going to tell them that this guy's mean, and he's just going to lay out all this dirt? You think teams appreciate that when you go and you grill a guy and he goes out and tattles on you and tells what, what everybody did? That alone is not good. And when we're talking about protecting the locker room, when we're talking about we want great attitude, great character guys, we want guys to come in and be fired up to come play, and he's out there crying about so-and-so was mean to me, I'm telling you right now, I already took him off my board when I heard that. I don't know if the Packers went to that extreme, but if we're serious, if we are absolutely serious about protecting our team, you can't do that. Well, then it gets worse. He goes and does his workouts. He's sluggish. He's overweight. He looks slow. He, He does poorly in these workouts. And then apparently he disappears. He's nowhere to be found. Well, he starts letting it be known, oh, I have a hamstring injury. Except he never at any point starts limping. He never grabs his leg. He just walks off and gives some excuse that, oh, well, I've got a bit of an injury. And everybody says, that's a lie. So he goes through the interview process. He goes and tattles on teams to the media saying, everybody was mean to me. Then he gets killed on social media. He leaves the event and fakes an injury. This isn't about his poor performance dropping him to 44 and getting a great value at Ja'Kai Polite. This is about, I don't want him on my team. And I know that's hard for a lot of people to say because it's like, dude, if it's such a great value at 44, we could get a great... No. This is serious. At some point, you have to look at a player and his character and say, this is detrimental to our team. I don't want him on our team. You can't have these types of people in our locker room. You just can't. And we're either going to protect it or we're not. And if we're not, fine, go ahead and draft them at 12, get on the phone, call up Antonio Brown, because if we're just going after talent and guys that are going to help our team and to heck with the locker room, then just call up Antonio Brown. It doesn't make any sense to say we refuse to have the elite talent of Antonio Brown because of what he might do to our locker room, but we're going we're gonna to pass on Ja'Kai Polite because of what he might do. There's no consistency there. And, and just because you draft him at 44, that doesn't help alleviate the character concerns. And yes, this is a character concern. How are the other guys going to re- react to Ja'Kai Polite? I mean, do you remember Jonathan Martin? Do you remember how devastating that was? And obviously, Jonathan Martin had some serious mental issues. The guy's taking pictures of, like, a shotgun talking about, you know, uh, you know people are going to regret what they did to me. or I, I don't know. I don't want to take it out of context. But he, he went psycho because guys were picking on him. Dude, grow up. I mean, are you, seriously, are you an adult? I, I can't imagine. And I, I I don't know where you work, but most of the jobs that I've had have been around almost all men. Manual labor type jobs, right? Not because people refuse to hire women, but it's not the kind of stuff that ladies like to do. Not a lot of ladies out there saying, no, I don't want to work as a waitress. I want to go shovel dirt for 10 hours and push a wheelbarrow up a hill in 98 degree heat in the summer. Just can't find a lot willing to do it. But anyways, that environment with a group of guys is nothing but guys talking down to each other. It's, it's nothing but guys making fun of each other. That's all it is. I don't know what's wrong with some of these football players, but you can't handle a little bit of... I, I don't know how some people survive life. I pulled a knife on my coworker once for sneezing. It was a box cutter, technically. But I told him if he does it again, I'm going to cut him. That's just a normal interaction between most guys. 
That's what a that's what an NFL locker room is going to be like. That's what the football field is going to be like. It's guys yelling at you, guys making fun of you on the field. Trash talk. And then you got coaches yelling at you and picking you apart. And then you got your position coach yelling at you and picking you apart. And the expectation is you will take it. In the locker room and in the workforce in general, people don't like it if we're just having normal interactions amongst men where we yell at each other and we make fun of each other and you go off and tell mommy, do you know how quickly you're going to be ostracized and how quickly this workplace is going to just spiral out of control if you go off and tell the boss they're being mean to me? It's going to get real uncomfortable and nobody's going to feel like they can talk and nobody's going to feel like they can do anything because of him, because of that one guy who's going to sit there and cry and go tattle. He's going to go tattle to the media. No, no. You're not welcome here. This locker room is for big boys that can handle criticism. And quitting on the combine? I mean, that, that's insane. What is he going to do on the field when he gets made fun of? Is he going to walk off and say, I don't know, my finger hurts. Coach, I need a band-aid. I can't do it. Get off my board. Done. Over it. Not at 44. I'm not taking you as an undrafted free agent if you fall. I'm not touching him. It's not about value at this point. It's about off my board, period, end of story, done, over it. And yes, it's that serious. In my opinion, maybe the Packers don't care. Again, they really, really liked him, so maybe they'd be interested. Somebody's going to take him if he falls into the second round. Maybe it's the Packers, but if the Packers are serious about protecting the locker room, they already took him off the board. I'm done talking about it now. Anyways, continuing on with wide receiver. Uh, Another good showing was Hakeem Butler. Really, really like Hakeem Butler, ran a 4-4-8. And remember, a lot of these guys, including DK Metcalf and Hakeem Butler, the biggest attributes they have are their size. Hakeem Butler, real big guy, real long arms, very natural football player. I love this guy. But he runs a 4-4-8-40. Put up 18 on the bench, 36-inch vert, uh, 10-foot, 8-inch broad jump. And the dude is 6'5", 227, with 35 and a quarter inch arms. Longest arms in the combine, and if you watch his film, that's what it looks like. I mean, he stretches those arms out. I mean, it's like a tight end. It's like what Jimmy Graham is supposed to be doing, where somebody's right on him, but he doesn't care. He just sticks his arm out, and what are you going to do about it? Ten and three-quarter inch hands, by the way. So 98th percentile uh, wingspan, add in the athleticism, 448 and all that stuff. And and something to keep in mind, and I'll, I'll delve more into this, But and we all know this, but Packers are looking for that relative athletic score. How athletic are you? overall, right? I mean, your speed and all that is important, but you got to kind of factor it in based on your height and weight and all that stuff. And if you look at relative athletic score, the Packers are far and away the most interested team in athleticism. And to be completely honest, I don't really like that. I don't like that the Packers are so obsessed with athleticism. I mean, remember the Raiders? Remember Al Davis wanting to get fast guys all the time? Now, this isn't just fast guys, but it, it follows that same train of thought. Ooh, look how big and fast and strong he is. Dude, get good football players. Please just get good football players. I'm so sick of it, getting Oren Burks two rounds too early because, ooh, look how athletic he is. I don't care. Drives me nuts. But Hakeem Butler is going to be off the charts as far as his relative athletic score. So keep an eye out for the Packers maybe being interested in this guy. And and I wish, and if if they have, please give me a link. I wish somebody would ask Gutekunst, why are you guys so obsessed with that? Why is it that you seem to prize athleticism over anything? Because, again, as I said with DK Metcalf, there's a difference between a top 10 athlete and a top 10 wide receiver. Metcalf is a top 10 athlete. He is not a top 10 wide receiver. Oren Burks might be a round two, maybe even round one athlete who fell into the third round, but he's a fifth round linebacker. 
So they felt he fell to the third round, and the Packers are like, oh, I can't believe he's here. Why? Nobody was going to touch the guy for another round or two. Packers are obsessed. I don't want to be the next Al Davis Raiders. We got to stop, man. Get good football players. I'm tired of it. I don't care how athletic he is. Not impressed. But I do like Akeem Butler, I'm just saying. He's a good wide receiver. Uh, another good showing, Miles Boykin, Notre Dame wide receiver, ran a 4 4 and that, by the way, is at 6'4", 220 pounds. So, again, 4'4", 2". I mean, we're talking Trevor Davis speed. We're talking, um, ah, what's his name? White dude, not Jordy. Janice, that's it. And Janice was pretty close because Janice was, I think, 6'3", and ran a 4'4", 2", which is crazy. But I don't think he was even this big. We're talking about 6'4", 220 pounds. So, again, big dudes. But these big guys aren't just big guys. They're fast. Um, he also had a 43.5-inch vert, 11-foot, 8-inch broad jump which was the third best uh, all-time for any position in combine history, which is a little crazy. So, um, you know, and this was sort of unexpected. His tape apparently didn't match this. So this is one of the things where guys are going to go back and look at it and see what's going on. But uh, Lance Zerline has compared him to Kenny Galladay, which pretty good company right there. Tons of edge rusher news here. Uh, one of the somewhat later round guys that maybe helped his draft stock a little bit is uh, Anthony Nelson out of Iowa. Ran a 48240. Probably not going to be an outside linebacker. If the Packers did decide to get him, it would probably be as a down defensive end. But um, 4 2 3, 20 yard shuttle, 6 9 5, 3 cone drill. Brian Burns, uh, somebody that I've been banging the drum for for quite a while. I remember I actually found the tweet because I wanted to find out. It was December 7th. I had called out Brian Burns, and it was like, I don't, I don't get why nobody's talking about this guy because I just started watching him. And it's like he's legitimately maybe my favorite guy in this whole process, maybe even above Josh Allen. I didn't say that in the tweet, but it was, it was. I was saying I understand the hype for Josh Allen and I would love to get him, but why is nobody talking about Brian Burns? Well, all of a sudden, you've got, in, including, I think it was Trevor Sykema. I'm not sure, but Trevor Sykema said he likes Brian Burns more than, not just Josh Allen, but more than Bosa. So, I mean, the, the fact of the matter is there were some concerns about his size, but he's always played big and he's always played strong. Uh, second forty, second fastest forty-yard dash among edge slash defensive line slash linebackers at the NFL Combine at four five three, and Burns is six foot five, two hundred forty-nine pounds. So he bulked up too. I mean, there was there were reports about him being two twenty. Um, I don't think he ever really played at two twenty. I think he was in and around two thirty-five, two forty in college. He bulks up to two fifty. He comes in and gets a second fastest forty-yard uh, dash time. But um, very athletic. And if you if you watch the tape on this guy, he's he's. He's kind of like Montez Sweat in a way if you take all those positives, but add in the fact that he can bend, right? He's not quite as powerful as Sweat, but again, you can add on to his frame. You can make him stronger. He's already bulked up, maybe compared to his, I mean, unless we're just talking about straight fat he added, which I would doubt. I don't think he put on 20 pounds of fat. I'm guessing this dude has just been packing on muscle. But anyways, I, I, I absolutely 100% guarantee he is a slam dunk at 12, but I don't think he's going to make it, especially when you look at guys like Ja'Kai Polite falling. Plus, you're having some guys saying that Brian Burns is a, you know, as far as pass rusher, better than Bosa. So him falling out of out of, um, out of of the top 10 is, is somewhat unlikely. But again, as we talked about yesterday, it just depends how things fall. You got quarterbacks going. You got defensive linemen like uh, Quinnen. You got guys like... Uh, um, at Oliver, you, you've got cornerbacks and wide receivers and all, just different team needs, offensive linemen. Who knows how it's going to fall? But I can tell you definitively, if Brian Burns is there at 12, I don't see too many scenarios unless Allen is also there, which is impossible that both of them are there. I, I just think it's a slam dunk. I think Brian Burns to the Packers would just be 
It would be perfect. It would just be perfect. Uh, Josh Allen also tested relatively well. Uh, it wasn't Brian Burns or Montez sweat level speed, but he did the 40 and 464, and that's at six foot five, 262 pounds. So Allen, as far as his size right now, is just it's perfect. And 464 is is plenty fast. You know, straight line speed, especially at 40 yards, is irrelevant for an edge rusher. No edge rushers running 40 yards down the field for anything. I think you know, explosion and agility are far more important than 40 yard dash time, but. He, he did really well. There's no question. He's The bottom line is this athletic stuff can only hurt a guy like Allen, and it didn't hurt him. He, he tested up to par. He did everything that everybody was looking for. He just checked all the boxes. Um, he was one of the guys that broke down, I believe. He broke down. Um, he was like Josh Allen, Devin White, and somebody else. Oh, DK, uh, all three of them, you know, they, they get on their phones, FaceTime with their family, and break down. And by the way, I really hope, and I'm not saying anybody is, but I never. I hope there's never a time when somebody fakes that. Because there's no question that that's the kind of passion that teams want to see. And I, I just, the, the cynic in me had, just had to ask the question, would anybody have the, the, the gall to see a camera next to them after the 40, grab their phone, and just kind of collapse and put their head in their hands and pretend to cry because they know it's going to happen? Not, not even necessarily Josh Allen because he's going to be going early anyways. He checked all the boxes. I'm not accusing anybody there. But it just made me wonder, because you look at how everybody gushes over that, how everybody talks about, see, this is heart, this is passion, this is what we want in a football player. Oh, okay, and then I'm just going to grab my phone and collapse on the ground and pretend to cry. Especially if I'm, like, you know, on the fence first round, second round. I'm going to push myself into the first round, I'll go over there and cry right now. I'll poke myself right in the eye, I don't care. I just ran the 40, the last thing i got to do is, is reach my hand in my pocket, you know, throw my shorts back on, reach in my pocket, touch that pepper seed i got in there, poke myself in the eye, and, uh seriously cry like actually cry because it hurts really bad i'm just i'm just saying i crossed my mind see when i saw dk do it it was like wow that's crazy then i saw devin white do it and it's like man these guys really and then i saw josh allen do it and it's like all right man (laughs) i mean you you can i'm not saying everybody we only get one and you can't do it now i'm just saying let's let's uh let's not let this become a trend i know how these trends get Ooh, looks like they're getting a lot of attention. I'd like to get some attention. Cameraman, calling my family. Look at me. Getting watery eyes over here, just saying. Uh, I mentioned it briefly. Montez Sweat at 441 is just ridiculous. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I don't want to say less impressed because 441 is beyond impressive. But I think it was actually his three cone, and I didn't, I didn't take that down, and I don't want to look it up. But the fact of the matter is, he, he I think it was seven seconds, his three cone, which was fast. I mean, it was one of the faster ones in the draft. Three cone is, is denoting agility. And when you, when you say the guy can't bend and then you look at him having good agility scores, um, I mean, seems like he should be able to. So that's kind of where you go back to the tape and see if you can see him doing it at some point. I know with like taller, longer guys, we're talking 6'6", 260 pounds. Tall guys have a hard, it's just a lot of body. You you got to take 6'6 six, six and get it underneath this guy's arm. It's just physically more difficult to do. right? If you're Ja'Kai Polite, you, you kind of just need to duck your head a little bit to get underneath a 6'6 six, six offensive lineman. But if you're 6'6 six, six as it is, got a long way to travel down to get underneath somebody and then bend around the corner. It's just, you know, we're, we're just talking about physics here, you know, geometry. It gets to be a little topsy-turvy up there. It's hard to take that body and bend it, you know, without tipping over just hard to do 
But you got to ask that question. I, I think guys, I mean, that's a serious question. We're talking about a guy that's this athletic, this big, this powerful. If you can find out that this dude can bend, just go find him, do it somewhere so that we, we know that we can at least coach him and teach him to do it. It's not a physical impossibility. He can do it. This dude is a slam dunk. If he can't do it, he's not getting you 10 sacks in a year. I promise you that. He's got to be able to get around the corner if he's going to play outside linebacker or defensive end. He has to. You can't just push guys back. In the NFL, that's not going to work. You can't just hope that there's a gap there and use your 4-4-1 speed to run straight at the quarterback real fast. That's not going to happen. So, uh, again, the three cone is, is the biggest thing for me. When I saw him run a 4-4-1, it was like, wow, he's really fast. That's awesome. But if you can't bend, you can't bend. Then he did his three cone. It's like, all right, somebody's got to explain this to me because I, I thought he couldn't bend. I didn't see him do it. Everybody says he can't do it. So I don't know. I'm going to be poking around on that one because that, that intrigues me a little bit. Because, again, his tape suggests he should not be going at 12, probably not at 15. I don't know if he should be going at 20. We're talking late first round. And this was not a controversial thing to say by anybody that scouts Montez Sweat. Because if you're looking for an edge rusher, nobody cares if you can play the run. Nobody cares if you're strong. Nobody cares if you're fast. Nobody cares if you can jump. Can you get around the corner and get the quarterback? Montez Sweat can't. Why is he an early first-round pick? He's not. But maybe he can. I don't know. we got to find out. That's the question. Uh, Nick Bosa, his first attempt, he ran a 4.84, which he got mocked because I think Quinnen Williams ran a 4.83, which, by the way, everything I said yesterday about Quinnen and how the Packers, you know, if he's available, we should get him. I mean, he's, he's crazier than, than I thought. He's better than I thought. I mean, it's just, he's a, he's a, he's a, he's a generational talent. That's all there is to it. Uh, if, you're, if you're not on the Quinnen bandwagon, you should be. Now, again, am I trading the farm for a defensive tackle? No, I'm not trading way up to get him. But if he were to fall... If we got quarterbacks and Bosa, and let's say Allen goes, and he falls to four, and it becomes possible to trade our first two picks with the Raiders to to possibly move up and get him, if he falls to four or five, do I want to trade up and get him? I I, I don't mind that at all. But anyways, uh, Nick Bosa, six foot four, two hundred sixty six pounds, um, built like his brother, looks like his brother, ran like his brother. It's it's pretty easy to see what you're getting with Nick Bosa because he's basically Joey Bosa. Um, and, and the more important thing than his forty yard dash is. Again, explosion, but also the um, the shuttle times. I'm sorry, the split times. Because split times are how fast are you in short area, right? Shuttle times are, are how fast are you in short area. Everything edge rushers do is short area. So 713 cone is awesome. Uh, 414 uh, shuttle, which is the second fastest by a defensive lineman. So again, he, he checked all the boxes. He's, he's good. Everyone knew he's good. Everyone, he proved he's good. Done deal. Uh, Rashawn Gary, the guy that nobody can seem to figure out because nobody even knows what position he's going to play, defensive end, defensive tackle, um, he showed off his athleticism. That, that's what he does, man. He's an athletic freak. I mean, he, he, he was one of the highest recruited kids out of, out of high school ever just because he's an he's a absolute freak. Um, he was the, the third fastest uh, edge rusher of anybody, and you, got, you factor in Montez Sweat as just an absolute freak. That's pretty good to be the third fastest guy in this class. And by the way, Rashawn Gary is a guy that we're talking about possibly playing defensive tackle. And he was the third fastest edge rusher in the class at 4.58. So only Montez Sweat and Brian Burns were faster. So, I mean, athleticism. And, and, and for a guy like Gary, who people are saying, I don't know about his abilities on the edge. And again, we're talking about bend. But if he can show that he can, he can be that athletic and also have the same kind of power and ability on the inside, he's going to go pretty early. He's got to fit. He's got to find the right team. I think a team like the Miami Dolphins would love to have him. He seems to be a Patriots kind of guy. 
which also would mean Detroit Lions because they also have that similar Patriot scheme. But, um, yeah, somebody's going to take this guy. Uh, Zach Allen is somebody that impressed a lot of people. I've been talking about, I haven't talked about him in a while, but that was somebody that I really liked that not a lot of people did. Uh, my thought on Zach Allen is he's the exact opposite of Harold Landry. Harold Landry was a guy that I didn't like that, or I didn't want to like that I ended up liking because I, I just, I saw his size and I was like, he's too small. Why, why would anybody take him? But he, he, he had the ability to set the edge. He was a good pass rusher. I liked him. Zach Allen is the exact opposite because he's so big. And when you look at him, it's like, this dude can't get around the, he can. He absolutely can, and I saw him do it. So that was my contention coming in. I like Zach Allen. I think he'd be a good pick at the end of the first. If he falls to 44, I'd be happy to take him. Well, he ran a 40 in uh, five seconds. Again, real big dude. But the short area stuff and the explosion explosion stuff, which, again, is more important. Your ability to, your agility, your explosion. Those are the important things. And short area speed. He did see, put up some good numbers. He had a 32-inch vert, a uh, 7-3-4-3 cone, and a th- uh, 4-3-6 20-yard shuttle. The only question coming in is going to be his flexibility. And that's not a horrible three cone. I mean, it, it, understand, he's 6'4", 281. So if, if the Packers were interested in, in a guy like Zach Allen, this is absolutely the kind of guy who's going to play outside as sort of the Nick Perry type of guy. He's, he's just going to be strong side with some ability to get after the passer, but he's strong side. But then he could also absolutely play hand in the dirt. I mean, he, he could play, depending on situationally, if we're talking, you know, nickel kind of get after the passer, you, you could put him as a defensive tackle. So I, I would call him a versatile guy. The question is, though, can he be an outside linebacker? And I think he helped himself a little bit. You know, obviously a five-second, 40-yard dash time isn't great. But again, for an outside linebacker, how many times is he going to run 40 yards? So anyways, all right, I got to condense this a bit. We're, we're taking up some time. Ed Oliver, moving on to defensive tackle now. Um, he did talk to some people saying he'd be willing to test as a linebacker. Don't really know why. I feel like that's a waste of his, his time. Uh, the other thing that's interesting, though, he gained some weight. So a lot of people are all excited because he gained some weight. And it's like, oh, man, he came in at this weight. The question is, what can he do at that weight? Um, well, he didn't test. He didn't run. Uh, he did jump. I don't know the outcome of that. I haven't gotten that far in this process yet. But uh, the, the, the big thing for Ed Oliver is going to be his pro day. So he showed up and he packed on some weight and he got everyone to go to ooh and awe. But we have to see what he can do at what weight. So if he goes back to his pro day and he cut weight again, well, then the questions arise, what can you do at a bigger weight? And, and, and again, maybe we don't even want you at a bigger weight. You're, you're demonstrating this is who you are at this weight. The question then becomes who wants him at this weight? So putting on the weight was somewhat of a spectacle, but didn't really solve any, pro- any questions for me. Um, other defensive tackles that did really well, Charles Amenahu, um, out of Texas, six foot five, two 280 pounds. And by the way, it's kind of difficult to say who goes where. Amenahu is a defensive end. Some of the guys that I said were edge were, were considered defensive tackle. It just kind of depends. I, I, I went with the draft network's terminology because I feel like they know, but some of these are kind of iffy. Um, on NFL Big Board, I have different designations at times, but I got those from other websites, so maybe they were wrong. I don't know. I'm pretty confident in what I have at, at safety and some of these other positions because I actually went and looked at the the Our Lads roster, and I'm going to have to go back and, and double-check some of my my listings. But anyways, um, Amenahu at 6'5", 280 is kind of at that that questionable spot. It, he's probably not going to be a 3-4 defensive, ta- defensive tackle. He'd end up being a uh, 4-3 guy. But anyways, real talented dude. Another guy that would be considered a freak would be Dexter Lawrence, a uh, Clemson guy. Dexter Lawrence is a massive man, right? He's, he's, I don't remember how tall he was, but he's like 340-ish pounds. Um, he ran a 505. 
So for, for his size to be a basically a nose tackle, probably not something the Packers would be super interested in, a uh, guy at that weight, but just absolutely massive human being. So I'm starting to warm up to the, the Clemson guys, even though I, I think a lot of them are overhyped. And, and you're starting to see him fall. Cleveland Furl, I never understood. I'm, I'm now hearing he may be late first round, which, you know, I don't know. I, I would have thought he wouldn't have fallen that far, but I, I definitely never thought he was a top 10 guy. Uh, Christian Wilkins, I never really saw as being as good as everyone hyped him. He's good, but whatever. But I really like Christian Wilkins as far as his character. And now Dexter Lawrence just being a massive guy, seems to be a good guy and very athletic guy. So I'm coming around. Somebody that really hurt himself, though, was Draymond Jones. Draymond Jones was considered uh, late first for a while, probably slid into the second round slowly over this process. But this is a guy who was considered an interior pass rusher. He showed up at 281 pounds. He ran an average 10-yard split, a slow 40 time, a 7-7-1-3 cone, and jumped 31, inch, uh, 31 inches in the vertical, vertical and 9 foot 2 inches in the broad jump, which is just, it's not good. I mean, explosion maybe isn't terrible, but, you know, agility and all uh, different things, just not good. Not not what he needed. Again, a lot of this for a lot of guys is checking the boxes, and, and for for defensive line coaches, for defensive coordinators, for scouts, for GMs that are looking at Draymond, they're saying, okay, this guy should be athletic. Let's see if he checks the boxes, and he didn't. So Draymond may have pushed himself. You know, we're talking, I, I, I don't know. If I had to guess, he might fall out of the second round. We'll see how, how devastating this was. Uh, news on Jeffrey Simmons. Um, apparently, according to Walter Football and some of the sources he's been hearing, Walter Cherapinski, that is, um, he, he, he could still go round one. And the teams that he talked to said they would absolutely not hesitate in the second round. So if he makes it to the second round, he will not last long. If I had to guess, he's gone before 44. If he makes it to 44, would I be interested? Yes, I would. If we haven't taken a defensive tackle yet, a guy like Jeffrey Simmons is potentially a top five athlete. He's an absolute freak. I really like him. He's not going to play for us this year. But again, I'm much more of a, I don't know, man, I'm I'm a long-term guy. I, I want to protect the cap for the long term. I'm, I'm somewhat of a Ted Thompson type person, although I think Ted Thompson wasn't enough focused on this year. You got to push in every year, but not at the detriment of the future. And you also should be planning for the future. To get a guy like Jeffrey Simmons, who if he was healthy this year, we wouldn't be able to touch him in the first round. I mean, take away the character concerns and everything. Else. Take away everything. Just look at his abilities. He's not falling to 12. We don't have a chance to get a guy this athletic. If he falls to 44, and we're not talking about a locker room concern. I'm talking about investing in the future. I'm talking about push as hard as you can in 2019, and then in 2020, we add in free agency again, we add in the draft again, and we get Jeffrey Simmons. Is basically consider him another first-round draft pick in 2020. In other words, would you spend a second-round pick for a first-round pick in 2020 is essentially the question. If, and if your answer to that question is no, then you're way too focused on, on the present. Uh, one of my favorite defensive tackles in the class tore it up. Uh, Notre Dame defensive tackle Jerry Tillery, 6'6", 295, ran a 4'9", 340. Uh, 23 reps on the bench is decent. But um, th the reason the 23 reps was important is that he had an injury, had a torn labrum. So being able to see that he actually, first of all, competed in the, dr in the um, bench, which is going to help show teams that he's back to full strength and everything. But... Um, Projected a day two guy, I would not even be a little bit surprised if he went late first round. Quinn and I mentioned is a freak, four eight three forty time. This is at six foot three, three hundred and three pounds. A four eight three. Everybody else in his class 
we're impressed if they're running low fives, right? Jerry Tillery was low fives, and it's like, whoa, that was pretty good. Four eight three for this monstrosity of a human being over three over three hundred pounds. He ran faster than Bosa's first time. Insane. Thirty and a half inch broad jump, one hundred twelve inch. Um, I'm sorry, thirty and a half inch vert, one hundred twelve inch broad jump. Uh, he didn't do the bench for precautionary reasons, which I think is smart. I mean, who cares? How many times have we seen people tear their pec, you know, and, and just absolutely destroy your 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 value? On the, the who cares about the vent the bench? If I'm a coach or a scout or a GM, I'm not even slightly concerned. And if you want to grill me on that, just say, look, man, I need to be ready to play for you. If you don't think I'm strong enough based on what you've seen in the film, if you want to sit here and arm wrestle me right now, we can go ahead and do it. But I'm not going to risk hurting myself because I want to be able to give the best that I can give to your team this year, and I'm ready to go. And I think you know I'm ready to go. And if a team or a coach isn't willing to pull the trigger in the, you know, with the first or second pick or whatever because he didn't bench, give me a break. You should not be a GM of a football team. Um, got a ton of linebackers, but but basically we'll just skip ahead here. Devin Bush and Devin White absolutely tore it up. Um, Devin Bush, 4-4-3, 40-time, absolutely just insane at 5'11", 234, uh, yeah, 234 pounds. A vert of 40 and a half inches, um, so just very athletic. Devin White came out later. You know, when Devin Bush did that, I started seeing some people say, oh, linebacker one, he's better than Devin White. Devin White comes out, runs a 4-4-2, so refuses to be outdone. Just absolutely awesome. I mean, just a great draft class. I mean, the Packers have got to be salivating, wanting athletic people. It's nothing but athletic freaks everywhere. These wide receivers are just towering monsters, and they're running, you know, 4-4-2s. You got linebackers like Oren Burks, but... We're talking first-round caliber linebackers, not fifth-round caliber, first-round caliber that are doing this kind of stuff. So, I mean, it, you know, as a Packer fan, you got to watch out for this stuff. As much as we're talking about need, and I'm, I'm positive they're going to take an edge rusher at some point, but beyond that, do we know they want a tight end? I mean, they want it, but do they want it more than a freakishly athletic linebacker or wide receiver? I don't know that. They want this kind of stuff, and they can get it, and it's going to be sitting there. So, anyways, uh, safety news, Deontay Thompson, he was not participating in anything because of a wrist injury. He should be go good to go for his pro day, though, on March 13th, so that'll be interesting to watch. He's been sliding down the boards quite a bit lately, so hopefully for his sake he can kind of recapture some of that with a good pro day performance. But anyways, that's about it. Um, maybe we'll talk about some of the team news tomorrow. And I, I got to get a lot more stuff done. There's so much out there. I'm just starting to pull this information in. A um, lot more information. I didn't even get to the Packers news. There's, there's other Packers news out there. But um, it is what it is, man. We're at 53 minutes. I have, a, I have a job. And for whatever reason, my phone is just taunting me. I, I got the temperature thing sitting here, you know, on my awake screen or whatever. It shows the time and whatever else. The temperature just keeps dropping. Uh, what is going on? Negative 8. Dude, it's March. Stop. It's supposed to be hot right now. It should be like 74. March 1st, 74 degrees. All day. Every day. Forever. It's the last winter of Wisconsin ever, I think. I'm not positive. Read that in a book. Anyways, you folks, enjoy your Monday. Happy Monday. You're all excited to go back to work. Get back to the grind. Enjoy your day. Talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Hey, baby.